Hey, and welcome everyone to episode 16 of the Skip It podcast, where we'll be reviewing episode 16 of the original Skippy show, uh, or our like Star Trek equivalent of TOS, the original series. I'm Lee, and I'm joined by co-host Ashwin. Hey. And John. Hey. So this episode is titled, When the Bow Breaks. It aired July 8th, 1968. It's another episode directed by Max Varnell and written by Ross Napier. Now, if you're a regular listener, you'll have heard us giving these names a lot. And that's because Max Varnell directed 36 episodes of Skippy and Ross Napier wrote 50 episodes. (laughs) So that's why we have them so often. And of note, after a couple of Kangaroo Light episodes, this one does focus back on Skippy. So... Good to have Skippy uh, back in the game. We also have all the Hammonds featuring in this episode, as well as guests, the Condons. Now, I'm going to ask you guys, is Mrs. Condon, is it Dulcie? Uh, oh. That's that's what I thought it was, Dulcie, yep. Because I don't recall the husband, whose name's Alan, referring to her by name. So it was only yeah. in the credits that I learned. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's the same here. I only was like, because, uh, you know, I was like taking notes too. I was like, who is she called yeah. again? He's called, yeah. you, you did hear him called Alan. Yeah, she know. was scolding him a lot more. So she was yelling Alan a lot, but yeah. he didn't really scold her. He was just... No. Yeah, we'll get to it anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for those at home listening, Dulcie, it's spelled D-U-L-C-I-E. So Dulcie Condon, played by Jeannie Drynan, and Alan Condon, who is her husband, is played by Mike Dorsey. Now, since they feature right at the start, I'll share some insights about them right as we begin. So yep. how about we get into the episode? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Awesome. So the episode opens with Skippy hopping towards the lake and seeing the Condons. So this is Dolphy and Alan and their baby. They're having a picnic by the lake, and the lake itself is called Illawong Bay. So Jeannie Drynan, otherwise known as Dulcie in this episode, is not only an actress, she's actually a producer. And her acting credits include some classic Australian movies like Don's Party, Soft Fruit, Paperback Hero, which had mm. huge acting in it. And most famous is probably Muriel's Wedding, where she played yeah. character Betty. And she also had a lot of TV credits, which continue to this day. I thought the most recent credit I saw was 2017. And mm. some of the shows she was in were The Flying Doctors and A Country Practice and Prisoner, where she mm. played a character named Angela Jeffries in 11 episodes. So she has a really good career. Yeah, very mm. illustrious. And yeah. she's very young here, so, you know, like, um, this must have been right at the beginning, and both of these actors have pretty long credits. Yeah. Well, Mike Dorsey, who plays Alan Condon, was also quite well known in Australian TV. His career spanned decades as well, right into 2007. Most active in the 60s and 70s with shows like Number 96, where he played Reggie McDonald for, this is how many episodes he played this character for, and I'm just going to say before I tell you the answer... This show lasted five years, so this tells you how long these seasons were. So in a five-year show, he played this character for 220 episodes. <laughs> wow. Jesus. So, that's, for anyone, that's like a, a main character for the whole entire series. Jeez. Yeah. Um, have you heard of number 96? Yes, no. I have. Yeah, I have. Uh, but okay. I haven't ever really watched it. I might have seen some episodes... Um, but Lee, were you going to get to the one I took most note of, which was Phoenix Five? Why don't you take this one, John? Okay, because this one, like, I was like, where have you been all my life? So if <laughs> if anyone's looking for, like, if Australia ever did a Star Trek series for, like, kids in the 70s, this is the series for you, because I watched a little bit of it, and it is pretty awesome. Mike Dorsey is sort of the Captain Kirk, 
and there's like a crew of three and there's like a lady and then there's another guy and then there's a robot and they're all Australian and then there's this evil guy with a, you know, hair where it goes pointy down the middle of the forehead, like a vampire. Oh, uh, like Widow's Peak. Yeah, Widow's Peak sort of, all, but almost like the Misfits or something, you know, yeah. and he's like an evil guy and he like sits in his lair and sort of they're in space and they're in like the best spaceship and they just fly around and have adventures. Oh, wow. No, I've never seen it though. No, no, sorry. I went on a bit of a um, rabbit hole with it. Oh, that's cool. Well, that's a good little insight. And also refers back to my the original series comment from right at the start, talking about <laughs> Star Trek. So nice tie back. Yes, yes. Uh, all right. So moving on to the show, as Dulcie puts her baby in the cradle. So again, they're by Illawong Bay, having a good time. We see a possum watching. And what might seem like a cute thing is in reality a significant setup for the drama to come. Dulcie goes to Alan and asks if he thinks thinks the baby will be okay while they go out on it's, it's a surf ski right i don't know if it was a canoe oh, or a surf ski i think it was a canoe like canoe, a sort okay. of little canoe yeah 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 so they go out on a canoe he replies by saying come on we're meant to be enjoying ourselves and urges her to relax as they go out on the water singing my bonnie lies over the ocean a very old i think it's an irish song mm-hmm. yeah right yeah. at this point it seems like alan didn't really ever want to be a father <laughs> He was using the uh, mat school of parenting, which is just leave your child in the bush. Yeah. yeah. Because they weren't even looking. So they put it up on the cradle, which the cradle is sitting on. Like and, a pram. Like a pram. Thing. Yeah. And uh, they just go out onto the water. Now, yeah. the possum, meanwhile, has seen this and thought, this is perfect. The trap is set. So spotting the chance to strike, it rushes the stroller, <laughs> unlocking the brakes and sending it flying down the embankment. What and- a thing. Yeah, and also, this is the first time I've ever seen them. I noticed this. They made a possum look sus. I don't know how. It's just somehow they that, pulled that, it off. Yeah, it, it was a very dodgy possum. And, like, you know, this is the thing. You just can't trust a brush tail. You know, they yeah. are just evil. Well, they look cute, but really. Yes, yeah, no. They are out to kill your babies, basically. Yeah, yeah not a dingo. So the possum no, made baby. It's possums. <laughs> So, Luckily, we have, like, a decent marsupial on the show to rescue the day. Otherwise, there would have been uh, a lot of anti-marsupial prejudice. Given a bad name. I well, know. after this happens, we have these insert shots of the terrified baby who we see crying, but mysteriously we don't hear any sound of crying. Mm. It hits the bottom of the bank where the crib is launched off the wheels with the baby still in the cradle landing in the water. And the baby continues to mime crying. Oh. So, Ashwin, I'm keen to know... What did you make of this baby's ability to mime crying? (laughs) I was surprised that they didn't just make the baby actually cry, given the cruelty they've inflicted on other animals in this episode. But I I found this episode quite unusual because, like, within two minutes, we've got a baby drowning. I was like, this this episode is escalating fast. And I was was almost, like, perturbed. I was perturbed by this whole thing with a baby flying. They take much too soon. They take no time to put the baby in peril. And then, like, when it goes into the river, I was sort of like, oh, is this, like, King of Egypt type stuff with Moses? (laughs) Like, you know, is this going to get biblical? Yeah. Well, Skippy was around, thankfully, and she's been seeing all this. So she springs into action straight away and hops after the baby. Meanwhile, the Condons are still rowing, and Dulcie asks if they should get back, because they haven't even noticed this has happened, to which Alan blots her out by singing louder. So, like you were saying, Atwin, either Alan is totally ambivalent 
and selfish, yeah. or he hates having a child and has coordinated <laughs> the perfect crime with this possum, thinking, who would ever believe it? To get yeah. rid of this baby, I'm going to train this possum. And he had those little Speedos on and everything about him. Just seemed like he wants to be an Ibiza partying it up now. He did not want to be a dad. He, he seemed like just probably the typical 60s dad. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, yeah. just let nature sort them out. They'll be right, mate. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't survive, Dulcie. <laughs> <laughs> well, he finally does stop singing and asks Dulcie not to go back. He asks her for a kiss and the pair <laughs> sort of wrestle around and topple into the water laughing. So pretty awful that they're doing this while their baby is potentially going to drown in the Illawong Bay. And while this is happening, we hear this macabre version of Rockabye Baby, which is playing in the background. It's like everything's converted to all minor keys. So very sinister sounding. And what we do see, though, is that the baby has thankfully drifted to Skippy. And we see Skippy pull the baby's crib over. And John, this is the one for you. Would you wager that there were dead hands again pulling over that? Uh, I I think so. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think because it didn't have really Skippy in that shot. So the contents swim to shore and they see that the crib's empty and Skippy is hopping away. So we don't yet see what happens. Skippy reaches Sonny who is polishing his shoes and Sonny asks Skippy if she can see a face in them as Matt has bet him 20 cents he couldn't polish them that well. So nice trick to get him to do his chores there Matt. You could have offered him a little bit more than 20 cents but I guess back then you could buy a car for 20 cents. Yeah, let's pull out my inflation calculator. That's probably $1.20. And buy a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Skippy doesn't want to play this game and tells him to come join her and the pair head off. Now, while it happens, we see Jerry and Matt walking through the ranch and Matt hands Jerry a map and they talk about the location not being too good and Matt being prepared to clear the whole area. So it's kind of this weird plot that doesn't go anywhere. I guess it's just to give them something to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I sort of like was wondering what the hell. But it, they do that. They've done that a few times now where... You know, when there's some other thing happening, they're doing some ranger activity. But I got the feeling it was like creating an area, like some area for like the chopper to land. Well, it'll be interesting to know if that ever actually gets called back. But that's all they really talk about in this moment because he gets interrupted when he sees one of Sonny's shoes and is really impressed with the shine. But he does note that Sonny hasn't done the other one yet. Anyway, Mm. it doesn't really matter because they go inside. We get back to the bay. Dulcie has seen her baby's missing and she calls out to Alan in distress. Elsewhere in the ranch, Skippy has brought Sonny to where she wanted him to go, which is where the baby is being kept. And Sonny, now this is getting back to what you were saying before, Johnny. Sonny asks how she got it there. And Skippy replies in her way, but we don't actually find out what she says. So I just thought it's a convenient way of not answering that question. Like, how did Skippy actually get the baby to that spot? Yeah, that is the big question. If she had to get her to that spot, she would have had to drag her along the ground because that's the only way she could probably do it. But the baby seemed unmarked. No, or else it was put it in her pouch, but that didn't happen. Yeah. We do see another shot, though, of the baby silently crying again. But the weird thing is then the baby, with a lot of skill, manages to fade up slowly the sound of its crying. So now we can hear it. So it was pretty clever of the baby to do that. Yeah, maybe the baby wasn't mic'd up in the first scene and that's all. (laughs) Maybe the baby just cried all the time and they just couldn't get a shot where it wasn't crying. I thought that's what probably would be the case. It was just too noisy, so they had to put it in later on when when it felt right. But it was just weird to keep seeing a shot of the baby clearly crying, but no audio no at all. Sound, yeah. 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 So Sonny do, tells it, and just spooky, um, like yeah. Yeah, melodies yeah. in the yeah. background. I wish they used that sexy saxophone music. In the- <laughs> 
So the baby's only really had its audio faded up for a few seconds, and then Sonny immediately tells it not to cry, and that mm-hmm. he's going to take it home to Matt. And in Sonny's arms, the baby does stop crying, at least the audio does, and they rush back to the ranch. Meanwhile, back at the shore, Delcy is now crying loudly, not miming. So we know that the baby didn't inherit its skills of miming crying from her because she's very loudly crying. And yeah. Alan is meanwhile waving to Mark, who is just seen in the distance driving their ranger boat. And he explains the situation to Mark, calls to headquarters and tells Matt about the missing baby. Yeah. Matt is still with Jerry. And uh, overhears, obviously, what's happened. And he asks Matt if he needs help. Matt replies that he's not a baby-finding expert and welcomes the help. <laughs> that was a very <laughs> weird comment at that point. Yeah. yeah. He could have said it more sarcastically, though, to really be like, I'm not a baby-finding <laughs> expert. Obviously, yeah. I need your help. <laughs> so, yeah, it was an odd thing to say. Yeah. Um, Sonny then returns back to the ranch. Once again, the voiceless crying baby is there, but he arrives just as Matt and Jerry drive off. Sonny also tries Clancy's trailer, and we learn from this that everyone is in fact gone. Yeah. So Sonny and Skippy have a conversation where Sonny is trying to find out where Skippy actually found the baby, and he asks her to take him there. So Skippy hops off, and Sonny, still holding the baby, sprints as fast as he can <laughs> after her. Now, I looked at this and I thought, kids are pretty clumsy and they fall over all the time, even when they're not holding a baby. This. Yeah. It was a treacherous terrain, and he sprints with the yeah. baby. Were you shocked when you saw that scene? I was just going, oh, I wish I had Sonny's energy, because I, <laughs> I, I don't sprint anywhere. And, um, yeah, that, that was weird. That was a weird one. I also noticed at that point, because I thought your first responsibility to a crying baby is to feed it or look after it. And I thought, I wonder if they're going to ask Clancy to cook something up, because that often <laughs> doesn't go very well no. uh, in their episode. Yeah, so. yeah, there's so much back and forth with this baby. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Like, yeah. the, the trips this baby goes on. Well, while yeah. Sonny sprints off, holding it in his arm like a football, Matt and Jerry arrive and discuss with Alan how it was that the baby could have just vanished. And Matt is like a detective in this scene. He sees the trail in the sand, suggesting that the crib did roll down the beach. Mr. Condon says he's going to go with Matt to help find the baby, but Matt suggests he wait there. Matt and Mark then jump into the boat, and Matt says they'll follow the bank down as the baby should still be afloat, which is a pretty disturbing thing to think about, but that's what happens. Matt yeah, and like Jerry... it, it goes dark straight away. Like, Matt, he's not an optimist no. <laughs> with any situation. No. Well, Sonny and Skippy return to where Skippy collected the baby, and they see that the empty crib is still there. Sonny wonders how it could have possibly gotten there, and he thinks maybe Skippy might get blamed for this. So this is really setting up what's to come for the rest of the episode, because he says, if they think you've taken this baby, you know, you could have drowned it. And they realize that they can't put the baby back in the crib either because it's all wet, even though Skippy did seem to rub the edge of it, apparently trying to get Sonny to take it with them. Mm. Sonny tells him that he can't carry that as well, and this is where, again, John, I'm going to guess that you've picked this up dead hands rubbing that edge of that <laughs> yeah yeah definitely yeah no no definitely the dead hands again yeah they look pretty stiff probably probably the same shot as well yeah just more of it like she was really rubbing the edge of that crib like oh, take, it, take, it. <laughs> take it take it yeah so they leave just as matt and jerry arrive by boat to see the crib so this is the second time in this episode someone has just arrived too late and they mm. see the crib and note that there's no baby in it matt says they'll have to drag the river and Mark says it could be further up shore. He's so dumb because Matt then asks pretty sarcastically, 
have you ever seen a three-month-old baby swim? So, John, am I being too harsh here? Or am I right in thinking that Mark is always saying stupid things? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, he could have guessed that that's where this was going. But, um, you know, Mark. Like more and more. He's like last episode when he was like prodigy instead of prodigy. Now he's asking this stupid question. I'm like, are they trying to paint him as a real little kid? Because we yeah. can't work out, apart from Sonny, we don't know how old any of these people are. How old no. is Clancy? How old is well, Mark? We know that Mark is um, old enough to drive. Yes. Because he, he does be drive 16. sometimes. Yeah. So that has to be at least 16. So, yeah, yeah it's questionable. But, you know, he was brought up like Sonny, so I'm not surprised that he's sort of missing, like, these major parts of his education. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He also does see. a lot of field work, so he's probably often suffering from sunstroke. Yeah. Gotta... <laughs> yes. And I thought you were going to say he's missing some brain cells, but <laughs> either way. <laughs> yeah. So Sonny has now returned home, and this is where the baby decides to cry really loudly again. And Sonny get Skippy to grab a blanket to put it on the floor and there's shots of a real looking kangaroo's hands this time helping to lay the blanket out flat so they're sort of mm-hmm. mixing the fake ones with someone off screen physically grabbing Skippy's hands mm-hmm. and making her flatten out the blanket and this is where Sunny realizes the baby must want something to eat so he goes off to the fridge to find something but Skippy meanwhile goes out into the bush and looks for food that she would eat which is a tuft of grass and when Sunny <laughs> comes back he sees yeah. a big clump of grass just resting on top of the baby <laughs> and then he tells Skip look babies need milk so he goes and brings a glass bottle over and then realizes well he can't open that and the baby needs like a bottle with a nipple to drink from so this is when they realize they're way over their head and he decides to radio for matt (laughs) yeah at at this point skippy's so observant like she can unpick locks she notices um criminal behavior how did she not notice that no human in front of her has ever eaten grass You know, maybe uh, Skippy's never encountered like a baby. Yeah, she got thrown. But yeah. um, but even like kangaroo babies uh, drink milk. So you know, you'd think that Skippy would be like trying to cram the baby in its pouch. Suck I don't know. Suck my pouch nipples. A, yeah, revolutionary <laughs> moment in Australian television. If we got a little kid to suckle a kangaroo's tits on air. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, <laughs> Make it happen. Make it happen, Channel 9. Make it happen. Yeah. So now that he's on the phone to Matt, Matt immediately tells him to stay off the air and that he's on the radio with the police and by Sonny trying to call through, he's cutting across him. Now, this causes Sonny to freak out because now he thinks this means the police will be onto them. Mm. They will think that Skippy stole the baby and he essentially flees the scene. And Matt, meanwhile, is still trying to talk to Sonny, but of course, Sonny's gone, so he gets no answer. So we then see Sonny and Skippy running across bushland, standing on cliffs, basically going the most dangerous way that they can with a baby. And Sonny then sees the Condons from above and says he'll go down to them if Skippy can wait with the baby. Uh, so he puts the baby down safely right on the edge of a cliff. So <laughs> <laughs> nothing is happening safe here. With a kangaroo. With a kangaroo to look after. Yeah, yeah, who could easily just hop on the baby's head or kick it in the face by accident. Mark is now on the boat with Matt after just having scuba dived, looking for the baby. So again, pretty morbid what they're doing. And the police have also arrived to help. And Sonny, who's climbed down the hill, he sees the police, freaks again and runs off. Yeah, I'm glad it was a different set of cops to the last time when <laughs> they were just getting Mark to do all the work and Matt had to go and chase the criminal down and apprehend them. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least the police were actually diving, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> doing some work. So Matt then starts talking to the police about the facts of the missing baby and the police say that they better get going. Oh, and look, also, um, sorry, I just realised Matt was getting Mark to dive and look for the dead baby. How's that for, like... 
Matt knows how to bloody dive. Like, what the hell? He's getting yeah. his son, his 16-year-old son, to do that? And why isn't Jerry going with him? Yeah. Anyway, sorry, we'll, get, well, think, we'll carry on, but yeah, go on. But that, I, I just gave that realisation. I think we know why, John. It's because it's punishment for his earlier comment about have you seen a three-month-old baby swim? So he's like, you're going to find the corpse and you'll learn. <laughs> you'll learn how babies swim. Sonny runs back and he's trying to warn Skippy. And when he returns to the cliff face where he left them, he sees that they're gone. So everyone is fleeing the police at this point. Matt then radios Jerry to get the Condons back to the house because he'd rather they're not around as they keep dragging the river. And Dulcie overhears this and freaks mm. out. So she now runs off. And so Jerry takes off after her. Yeah. Sonny, yeah. Oh, and, and also super concerned Alan is just like having his dub, <laughs> like smoking a cigarette and yeah. then sees his wife run off and then, then like runs after him. I thought that was really funny. It's like, dude, don't do that in this situation. You look too like you don't care. I wonder if she just has this seething resentment for Alan. Like, I don't think that relationship is going to last. <laughs> no. Well, while this is all happening, Sonny is still looking for Skippy, saying it's not her baby, and he doesn't want to go back to the cops to say that she's a kidnapper. But with Skippy remaining hidden, not coming out to Sonny's call, Sonny says, look, he'll just have to rat her out then. He doesn't want to do it, but he just has to. So he leaves, he leaves to go back down to the water. Now, at the bay, the police are now scuba diving, looking for the baby. Dulcie runs to who knows where. She's just running frantically. And Jerry and Alan continue after her. Mark mentions to Matt that he hopes the cops don't find anything. But Matt fears that they will, as when the crib turned over, a baby wouldn't have had a chance. So really grim. Yeah. Dulcie, meanwhile, has reached the cliff overlooking the boat and is now even more devastated. And the music that we're hearing at this point is like a funeral march. It's really, really somber and driving and upsetting. Sonny finally catches up with Matt, who tells him he doesn't want Sonny there because obviously he's not going to want his seven-year-old or eight-year-old kid to see it. He's fine with his 16-year-old, but, but not the eight-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, Sonny tries to tell him what he thinks has happened and that it's not Skippy's fault. But Matt says he's got more important things to do than hear about Skippy. And he explains to Sonny that there's a missing baby. And that's when Sonny finally is able to reveal what happened. Now, while this is going on, on a hill above them, Skippy appears. And the baby, realizing it's time to stop miming, starts audibly crying, which is a good thing that it's found his voice because Dulcie overhears it and runs over, crying with joy now and grabs it and wraps it in her arms. So this is a quite a happy moment. Matt notices what's happening and looks unhappily at the, the nice reunion. Yes. Yeah. Very, very like, nice. I want to come back to this mime, maybe because Marcel Marceau was about 30 years before Skippy. Maybe that baby was just channeling the ancient French mime tradition and we shouldn't be so harsh on it. <laughs> That's true. And on this show, it's very possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, that baby could have grown up to become the best mime ever. <laughs> yeah. You'd never hear about it. Sorry, but I'm sure. Oh, Oh, nice. Good one. So that fades to the final scene where we see the Condons tying their canoe to the car roof, ready to leave. Alan gives a brief goodbye to Matt. And it's not really very protracted. It's pretty, it really is brief. He's just like, thanks for that, Mr. Hammond. It's like, (laughs) he's such a dick. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much could have just given him a high five. It's like, or or, or something like, yeah, thanks a lot. I was trying to go. (laughs) I I thought I was going to be one less baby at the end of this trip. Could have got away with it. It wasn't for you meddling kids. (laughs) Damn you, Skippy. Imagine like a Dulcie would have been like, hey, Alan, let's hold a funeral for the baby. Not until we kiss Dulcie. Let's go out there and kiss first on the river. 
And then oh, she goes dear. to kiss him, and he's like, but first, and he lights up a cigarette just to get that happening. <laughs> <laughs> so while this goodbye is happening, we now hear a more normal-sounding, like, major chord-driven rockabye baby, which plays over the top, so a bit of a change from the somber one from before. Matt asks Sonny again what happened, and Sonny and Skippy haven't quite clarified that. So Matt says perhaps then only Skippy will ever know, which I thought was interesting that he's not really concerned with, how did this happen? Like, how did you end up with his baby? But anyway. He's happy for the mystery just to continue. <laughs> yes. And only Skippy, the kangaroo, will ever know. But I guess it makes sense because he doesn't have time for that because what they really need to rush to is this comedy sting at the end. So they've got to get to that. Sonny says that he thought Skippy just wanted to be a mother and that after today's adventure, she's got some practice in. And Matt says one day maybe Skippy will be a mum, mm. to which Skippy <laughs> immediately covers her eyes with her paws. So yeah. It's got that ending where everyone's laughing and alluding to the fact that maybe one day Skippy will be a mum. Well, you know, um, that is the other thing. But then why is she so embarrassed about it? Yeah. Yeah. And also, if she is the reincarnated real mum, this raises some more questions. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, don't you even think about it, Matt. Uh, (laughs) Be mad, done that. (laughs) Oh, what, Matt? Don't you even think about impregnating me, Matt? (laughs) It's not appropriate anymore. (laughs) this cloak is off off limits (laughs) yeah in fact maybe that's why mark was so dumb he's actually the born of skippy the kangaroo and they're all half kangaroo (laughs) yeah but no no i thought of that too lee where uh, maybe she was like you know well i've already had kids like but, you know, I died and became, my soul went into this this kangaroo. But also, yeah, there was sort of maternal instincts there that um, maybe were coming through because she had human babies in her previous life. Yeah. Mm, yeah. There you go. Triggered, triggered. So final thoughts on this episode. To me, I'll just jump in straight away. The premise was probably more exciting than the episode ended up being. I think it was mm. good. But, uh, you know, when you hear about this situation it probably ended up being despite the music being grim and all this sort of stuff i didn't think it was as exciting as i was expecting it had some moments but i'd probably just end up giving it maybe 3.2 gum leaves from me yeah yeah what about you ashwin i feel this needs a schrodinger's rating so (laughs) i haven't done this before uh on the term in terms of the story and the intricacy of the story maybe a 3.5 okay there was some stuff going on there's some twists and turns and you're tricking us but in terms of the delight that the episode delivered, it was more like a two and a half because it was such a mm. somber theme and it's quite dark and it wasn't a delightful episode. So it's got a two and a half and a three and a half simultaneously. So I'm going to hit it with a three gum leaves. All right. Wow, All right. nice. What about okay. you, John? Yeah, I'd say probably a solid three, but I know what you mean because it felt like the premise was good, baby in peril, but the execution could have definitely up the ante but you know i was just thinking what it needed was like the baby going down like some white water rapids or something yeah. in the crib or something yeah. like that and then skippy like breaks a branch that stops it and yeah. you know you know does something where it it's a little bit more like proactive like i know she does sort of pull it to the side but i just thought it'd need a little bit more excitement there maybe like some kind of other peril going yeah, like on a saltwater crocodile <laughs> yeah, I was going to suggest a dingo, but then it's uh, probably inappropriate now. But back then, it would have been fine. Yeah, it yeah. was three years before. Maybe, yeah, or maybe like a baby saltwater crocodile. So you're not sure if it's big enough to eat it. You're like, who will win, the six-inch crocodile or a tiny baby? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just all that. No, that's what I mean. A crocodile actually would have been ideal because then that would have been in the water. But um, unfortunately, they just don't go down that south. 
Uh, um, if they, but then how accurate do they want to be? And then? we've also got the trope now of guest stars who act like jerks and cause trouble for everyone. So if they just stayed <laughs> away, none of this the show wouldn't exist. If no one visited, yeah, the park, this, yeah, they wouldn't need to do anything. No. Well, that was that episode when the bow breaks. What is going to be the next episode about, John? Uh, okay, so we are up to episode 17, the Waratah Festival. A diamond thief loses a valuable necklace while on the run from the police in the park. The thief sees Skippy find it and places it in her pouch. So I'm assuming it puts the diamond necklace in the pouch and follows her back to the ranger's headquarters where everyone is busy constructing a float for the Waratah Festival. This is sort of given the whole episode. It definitely has the promise of an exciting episode. So it does. join us next week while we recap that one. For now, I'm Lee and with me has been John. Thank you. And Ashwin. Thanks, guys. See you later. See everyone. Skip, 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 skip,